Hi everyone, welcome to the first episode of Confessions of a Kitchen Designer podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Ross, and I am pleased to announce our first guests, Renee Jordan and Michi Schmitz. Renee and Michi are the powerhouse designers and owners of specialty kitchen design firm Precision Cabinetry and Design. Sought after for their ability to execute a wide array of kitchen design styles, they have projects scattered up and down the California coast. Michi and Renee have worked on homes ranging from ultra-contemporary compounds to restoring historical homes by famous architects like Julia Morgan. They represent some of the most exclusive cabinetry manufacturers and are often published in some of your favorite magazines. Not only are they highly important kitchen designers, but they are some of my most important mentors. And Precision Cabinetry and Design is where I started my career in kitchen design. Michi and Renee, we are so happy to have you here today. Hi, Michi and Renee. Yes. Hello. Thank you guys so much for being here today. Thank you for having us. Having us. So most of you wouldn't know, but Michi and Renee are where I got my start in cabinetry. And actually, Renee is my mother, and Michi is like (laughs) my aunt that I never had but always wanted. She's amazing. So, and both of you guys have brought so much knowledge into the field of kitchen design and taught me so much so thank you guys so much how were you guys weathering the coronavirus storm well it's interesting and thank you for that wonderful beginning (laughs) um we'll try to keep our heads in the room (laughs) we are actually super grateful um to be so surprisingly busy it's it's been interesting uh, and so different on so many levels. With... During such a horrible, horrible time for most industries. Um, I mean, especially because we have a showroom. So having to shut the showroom down and not have that really so you know, people can just walk in, it's been just different. Having appointments, um, everyone wearing masks, keeping our distance, you know, so many things that are just very different. But uh, we are super grateful to be busy and to have our loyal clients that we, you know, had started with that are continuing to move forward and new ones. So, new yeah, ones. And I think I think part of that is a lot of that has come to surface be, people being kind of stuck in their homes for long periods of time, trying to function and trying to navigate with their existing, which so often in the, probably in the past, they just let's go to have dinner. You know, I don't want to deal with this, whatever. And. So during this time, it's really kind of brought all the the warts in the current living space of the kitchen to kind of to the surface. So that's, of course, I think like right. driving a lot of this business and for wonderful clientele. Absolutely, and I know New York. It's it's a little I, everywhere we you you do business is a little bit different. Um, in New York, we have boards. Certain boards are allowing people in. Certain boards are not even allowing trade or anyone or family in. So it limits kind of business and how you can go about conducting business. So um, is, are there any, anything that you guys have learned in the way that you've operated during the kind of coronavirus shutdown that it kind of opened your eyes to possibly adjusting for the better how you guys do business? Like, <clears throat> like moving forward in the future? In the, like in- yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. I, I, what I actually, I think I know I've realized, and I don't know about you, Michi, but I've realized how efficient I can be, um, when I'm not interrupted by a million other, you know, seemingly urgent tasks that take you away from just your 
day to day trying to get through your your process and get through your designs and get through stuff it's it's on you you just are so effective in more of that home environment I I have found that for myself personally it's wonderful I know that's (laughs) a terrible thing to say but it's really nice we do not have reps stopping in unannounced we do not have the phone constantly ringing and interruptions constantly all day people just dropping in because you know with our showroom it's busy all the time so people are coming in and asking questions yeah so it's been really nice (laughs) nice and a gentler pace that I actually really appreciate right now yeah, we find, I find it the same way. I, I'm a lot more efficient. As you can see, New York traffic hasn't stopped, so you can probably hear honking, honking and horns all over. Um, <laughs> but, so, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you guys got into kitchen design? Um, well, I originally, um, once I graduated from college, got into uh, the commercial end of interior design. Um, with my BS in interior design, I started focusing in kind of hospital um, design and that sort of thing. And But I always had a gravitation towards residential. And then I had an opportunity to work for a small firm in Santa Cruz and just loved it. Um, originally there, we did a lot of custom cabinetry. So I really learned the nuances of how cabinetry was made um, from, from beginning through the whole entire process. And, um, and we did our own finishes and things like that at the time. But now, I mean, actually back then we realized that the, you know, the finishes and that sort of thing were really inferior to what was available in the national market, um, from manufacturers. And so we just kind of deviated from locally finishing or local finished products to more of a, um, internet or national Factory. factories and that sort of thing because we could provide for our clients a much superior product so that's kind of how we got to be doing what we're doing currently and at, oh, that's over a what a <laughs> don't look at me a long, I'm time. Not a, <laughs> a long time 30 years span i know am i dating myself how old am i <laughs> but just as a snippet of kind of bringing us here. I mean, we purchased the company from the owners that I worked for for 18 years uh, back in 2006, right before the downturn. Um, And we made it, but um, we have just, honestly, we've made it through a lot of crazy times. And here's another one. And it just seems like we just kind of keep going and prevailing through a really difficult industry, actually. If you look at the snippet over the last probably 10 to 15 years, it's been a kind of a, a rocky road. <laughs> but we well, still and, it and we're still and, here. <laughs> and what about you, Michi? Well, I went to school for interior design as well. Um, and when I graduated, I did an internship my last semester for a kind of a boutique high-end interior design firm. Um, and I learned a ton there. We did tons of fabric and furnishings and window treatments, but she also had another part of her business that was kitchen design. And I just gravitated towards it and loved it. I, it's, it's very interesting that it's like a game and puzzle and, you know, Jordan and Renee, we all are really competitive game people. We love games and puzzles. And for some reason, kitchen design is very much like that. So it has, you know, every 
quarter inch matters and whatever. So it's, that's kind of, I was drawn to that. Um, and after that, um, I came to work at Precision. Uh, your mother, Renee here, <laughs> actually hired me um, as a salesperson selling cabinetry. And I had never done that before. I had only worked on interiors and kitchen design. And it was super nerve wracking. And I started and I just kind of went with the flow and love it. it it's, it's really fun. Um, it's been challenging. Obviously, you've heard from Renee with our business and all of that. But now it is just, you know, old news. We're just plugging along and um, getting through these weird times. And it's been interesting. That's well, it's, I think it's an interesting conversation. And that's why I started this podcast is I feel like kitchen design is a completely different monster compared to the rest of the design because it's so technical. There's so many aspects you have to balance as far as like integrating appliances and aesthetics, but also the functionality of things. And it's a completely different trade than just design. And a lot of times, like I know myself in New York, we work with a lot of the top tradespeople and top designers. And our goal is to make others look good. Um, and while seemingly integrating in cabinetry and functionality of everything, and so that's why I kind of wanted to start this conversation and, and take different people's takes on how they go about doing it. What's in, I think what's interesting about this industry or this specific niche in the industry is that it really plays on both sides of the brain. It's not just the creative, but it's the very technical, which is a very unique person that can do both of those. Um, I've done this so long that I'm hard to kind of find a lot of people that are comfortable or willing to go to wherever their deficit is, you know, because usually people are really strong in the creative ideas or they're very, you know, technical and more engineer like, and they think that way, but it's very hard to find that that is a meshed person in one, you know, in one designer. Absolutely. And also there is a sales aspect of it. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, if we're not selling, food's not on the table so there is an aspect of that that so you're marrying all both of the the items that you described but also they have to be able to sell and be personable with clients absolutely absolutely which is a whole nother you know characteristic in itself and it's again that's a the very unique person that can do all of those things i think it has to do a lot with your self-esteem though also you know as a designer i feel like there's a lot of designers out there that are very insecure because it's an art and it is you're exposed. you're doing an art and you're exposing yourself yeah. and it's hard to you know sell yourself so absolutely sales is in interior design it's in every all aspects of it not just the cabinetry like what we do but when you're selling yourself that it's a really important tool to have is to learn how to sell and i think that's something that should be taught in colleges honestly mm -hmm. i think that that is something that's lacking with a lot of the students coming out of the um the colleges around is they are not learning the sales aspect of how to sell themselves. Absolutely. Which and I, think that I think absolutely lends to the idea of you have to be a pretty confident person to be able to go in front of some of the professionals that we are, you know, that are our everyday clients like physicians and just highly, highly educated people, professors and what's whatever that, that, that they you're telling them and you're selling on something and that they're, what if they don't like it? Or what if, they, you know, absolutely. Well, and I think that there's also 
an aspect of you and one of my favorite people is Brene Brown because you can't have creativity without vulnerability so you it's kind of a it's a difficult mesh but when you find the right person and and I've run offices in New York and I've worked for you and it's it it's definitely challenging finding kitchen designers specific to the trade that have all aspects of that. Um, that's definitely something that's sought after, especially, and, and I found in every market. Correct. Yes. So, and I know that everyone has a slightly different take to their approach to design. What is your approach? Where do you start? How do you go about it? Like, what is your approach to design? It's so funny. We were just, we literally just had a client here. Um, you know, we've kind of opened up the showroom back now sort of in a limited basis um, with masks and everything. And our first client back, we were literally going over this very process process. <laughs> and it was about how we initially, how we kind of zoom out the very, the very initial processes. We kind of do the broad net kind of get all the information gathering. And then, um, and then we take that into a process where we actually kind of come up with concepts that relate to what the client's needs are, what, you know, the space kind of determines and all those things and then budget, budget. And then we come into kind of a schematic phase where we just kind of ideate. And then, um, and then we kind of hone it down in the next process after kind of massaging and marinating over those down to a little more narrow scope and get into a line, more of a line drawing versus kind of schematic and pencil and tear sheet. And, um, but what the clients don't realize is when we are going out to their home for the first time, we're looking at the architecture of the house. We're looking at their overall style or lack thereof, depending, you know, <laughs> oops. <laughs> um, we also are looking to make it make sense at their budget and the budget is everything. Obviously we all know that, um, another aspect is interesting is the husband versus the wife. And their two views on everything can be completely different. Husbands can be super contemporary and the wife is really traditional. And how to kind of meld that together with the design is something I think we think about. And it's not even, we don't even realize it's our process, but it's happening. We pretty the much. the psychology of it all is probably trumps everything. Yeah, we have <laughs> degrees in psychology pretty much because. <laughs> Well, and, and trying to get the, the husband and wife to come to some kind of common out, like some kind of convergent of ideas so that we can. Where they both are happy and they both think it's their idea. It's yeah. perfect. <laughs> it's so true. I always feel like I'm half kitchen designer and half marriage counselor because uh, I feel like it's yeah. the perfect balance of everything. Well, there was an old school show on um, when HGTV first started and when I actually watched a show on that program. <laughs> <laughs> It was called Designing for the Sexes, and there was a gentleman designer, and that's what he really specifically went in, talking about how they're, you know, very opposite. And it's, you know, now being in the industry for this long, and I don't even know when that was on, long time ago. It's so true. And we do it, and we don't even realize we're doing it. It's just second nature. Yeah. And you can always, and you can tell by their body language, when somebody's kind of like done or moving on and like not happy with an idea, then we try to, it's like this massage of... (laughs) of making everybody happy, getting designs to, to go kind of more in your way than, you know, than right. you're, you're also selling, you want your concept to kind of come to fruition too. It's very interesting. A dance. I call it a dance. Absolutely. And, it not, and it's not only just the aesthetics because also we've had, I, I know with you guys, we've had clients where 
the husband's the primary source of income and he's the one really calling the shots. Yeah. But he's also the primary cook and the wife is like the sous chef. And it's that also plays an aspect of who's cooking, who's cleaning. Are they both cooking? That's also a whole no- different dynamic, which is um, kind of interesting. Exactly. It, it absolutely is. So like, I know I find Pinterest a really good source. I know with Pinterest, it has been kind of overtaken with ads, but it's, yeah, it's about who you follow. And once you follow the right people, you get amazing source of like inspiration. Also, I use Instagram a lot and a lot of my sources, um, I have old art books that I go through constantly and I like Rizzoli books and, and architecture and design books as a source of inspiration. What is your guys' source of inspiration that you guys look and seek out? It's funny with this being home lately, I've actually pulled out all of my old design books, which is weird. I haven't, I've had them in a closet in boxes for so long and I've recently pulled them all out and I was just kind of going through them. Um, I obviously love Pinterest. Um, Pinterest though, I feel like you see a lot of the same on Pinterest and Mm -hmm. it's something that I sit and critique all day long. So I don't know how inspired I can't, I can be a little bit inspired, but I can also be super critical just because I'm a designer and that's what we do. Of course. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I love to go um, online and look at designer showcase houses. I've been to a few, but you know, obviously I'm not traveling all over like to New York and Atlanta and Palm, you know, Palm Springs and Palm beach to look at their show houses. But they always have their show houses online and looking at these amazing designers and what they've done in these rooms. It's, it's pretty incredible. And I think it's really inspiring to look at other designers, what they're doing. Cause you take a little bit of what they're doing and then you add what you're, you know, what you want to add and it creates an architecture. Yeah, yeah. It makes it exciting. Well, and you can see something that like might be outlandish and crazy, but there might be something to it that's absolutely genius that you can look at and you're like, Let's I didn't away. see it in that perspective and mm-hmm. take away from that. What about you, Renee? One of my one of my things that I actually think I get probably most of my inspiration from is my travel, my international travel and seeing how people live. Totally. And um, experiencing, you know, because everybody has to cook and everybody lives and has a kitchen. And, but everybody's version of that internationally is so very different Mm -hmm. and how they execute that and what is their priorities depending on where they are in the world and 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 how they eat and how they how they um, harvest their food it's just it's fascinating to me and I just love when I travel I get inspired by either the simplicity of what how they execute their kitchen kitchen design and or their functioning spaces but also just the color palettes, everything just seems to kind of be very different and very unique to the different cultures. And I, and I love to bring that back and bring parts of that into design and make it though to the architecture that we're dealing with, 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 with the specific client. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I've, we've been to Brazil together. I've been to Italy and it's so funny going from different places, how, different people cook and then also the priorities of the actual people cooking like the chefs themselves everything's simplified they just need to know where things are and like it doesn't necessarily have to be pretty Mm -hmm. and it's it's different in the u.s like merging the two because you do need the functionality 
but you can lift the aesthetics of it so that it, it feels so beautiful, but also is super functional. Well, I think too, just where you are, Jordan, in New York versus California Absolutely, here, our kitchens are way different than what you're dealing yeah. with. I mean, size constraints being yeah. probably the first and foremost. Right. I mean, you could be in a New York penthouse that's on Fifth Avenue and it's still a shoebox and, and they're primary cooks. They don't, they're one of the few people that don't order out for every meal and then just want a pretty kitchen. And you have to like fit everything in such a small space. It's it's definitely a challenge in here. Completely. Yeah. And then you don't even like the aspect of insurances and allowing people into the buildings and different tradespeople is a completely different aspect because they're shareholders of a building. They don't own their apartment. They're a shareholder. And so they have to have their designs approved by the other board members. Right. And then from that, then it's a whole process of like, and then you have elevators, you have spaces in pre-war homes that you could want a tall cabinet that's a certain amount of height that will fit in the space. But if you can't get it into the elevator to get it up to the apartment, I mean, that's a whole different level of planning. I think you have a whole different, sorry, I'm going to interrupt, but I feel like you have a whole different set of puzzles. Lots of challenges where we don't, we do not have that. I mean, we're more low key big doors, French doors going outside just because our weather is so different too. We just, we have a lot of, it's a lot easier probably for us I absolutely agree. than you. But then again, you have larger kitchens and you have, we have the same spaces, but, but the idea of budget, we still, I mean, we all have high end clients and then we also have more budget conscious clients and they might have a huge kitchen and that's also poses a challenge. Uh, yes, we just, <laughs> we just had that literally before our conversation. We had a little come to Jesus that that was not reality. <laughs> and it's so funny because that, I, that is a common aspect of we're not, we're not just aesthetics. We also have to balance budgets because we are the foundations of the kitchen. I mean, the countertop, everything sits on top of our cabinetry and the design aspect of it. And, and that's a challenging pill to swallow financially. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. It's usually one of the bigger numbers. So in a, in a budget. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, cabinetry and windows are, are some massive numbers. And I think they're commonly people underestimate how, how large those figures are. Absolutely. But it's, it's basically like the backbone of the entire kitchen. Yeah. You could, you could buy Ikea cabinets, but they're not necessarily going to offer the same structural support and the longevity of, Yep. Like a nice U.S. manufactured cabinetry. Exactly. Absolutely. So what are some of your guys' favorite materials to work with? What are, what are some ones that you constantly gravitate towards? Well. <laughs> I mean, everyone's going to have a different answer. This is why I asked this question. It's because every different designer is going to have something that they push. Um, some trendy, some timeless. What are, what are some that you guys push? I'm definitely a timeless person. I like, I like materials to have a purpose or a, a, or or a story. Um, Like something that relates to either the architecture, obviously always the architecture. You want it to be timeless when you, when you design something so that it doesn't have a timestamp, like whitewashed kitchens in 1980. Um, Lord, I've just dated myself, but it's just that that's that kind of thing where you want to have, or, you know, you want, you want it to have a purpose. It's, it's, everything has to be placed. It's not just arbitrarily 
thrown into a space because it's the new trendy color of gray, green, or whatever. Um, it's just, I think it's super important that materials are selected with complete intent. Okay. Absolutely. So my jam is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm obsessed with marble. Jordan knows this. Absolutely. Of course. I'm obsessed with paneling and I'm obsessed with wallpapers. Yes, please. Uh, you can't get enough of any of those. I mean, if I could <laughs> wallpaper the cabinets and the ceiling, I would, but no one will go for that. I mean, exactly. <laughs> dream, but I, you know, that's a dream. I don't actually do that ever, but I would love to. Those Absolutely. are things. I don't know. What are your favorites? My favorite material, you know, I love stone. I love any natural product like uh, quartzite or marble or, you know, not granite. Walnut. Yeah, granite. Well, the problem with granite, it was overdone. There's, there's some great granites that probably if they hadn't been completely, you know, saturated in the market, you wouldn't be bored with them. You know, it's just, you have to... It's just, it, it's, it's got to be all in balance and it has to make sense. But I definitely like the natural products and um, just, you mm -hmm. know, I, I would probably say that. Well, it's, it's definitely interesting because I feel like there's an aspect of our, where we have to look at the architecture. We have to make sure everything's in balance. Right. And we have to pick timeless materials because you don't want to create a kitchen that's dated in 10 years. You want something that's going to live a long time, but you also get bored of the same kitchen and you want you kind of want to push clients to do different things to and also in a way it's kind of selfish because you're pushing kind of your aspects of things that you want to push but that's also a big challenge of it right that's Absolutely. so true and it's and it's also the scale too comes into play hugely here because you can absolutely have, yeah and i think i think that's probably one of the most difficult things to, to balance is the scale versus mm -hmm the space versus the materials versus the weight, the heavy, the, you know, it's, it's just this, it's this symbiotic balance that has to happen. And, and, and everything's a different, every problem's different. So you've got to revisit that every time. Are there any like design aesthetics that are currently more trendy that are offering inspiration to you guys right now? <laughs> I would say probably, well, you mean as far as clients want wanting, I would say or what we love. Well, both. So why, why don't we say both? I would say mid-century is right now just absolutely really popular. Really popular. People are buying the Strang homes. Um, obviously, mid-century ranch. All that stuff right now is perfect and ripe for a model. So you're dealing with the, you know, the architecture as well as all the materials that are relevant during that time. And I think that's right now what we're really getting a lot of um, our inspiration from and, and transitional design. So melding that with kind of what's fresh and new too. It's kind of a, it's melding the history with the fresh new twist, I think is probably. I think people one. are wanting to simplify their lives a little bit. And so these styles are definitely becoming more popular to them where me personally, Michi, <laughs> <laughs> I am not swinging that way. I'm <laughs> Definitely. Well, and maybe because I'm half Japanese and the Asian flair hits me. I love <laughs> the chinoiserie and all of that big, wild prints and fabrics. And I am obsessed with all of that. So, yes, I can design super simple, but what I'm attracted to is not that. Well, and it's interesting because I'm 
I would definitely classify myself as a more is more person. I love details, <laughs> but I also love design in different areas. And it's 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 kind of like asking a kid to go into a candy store and pick out one lollipop. It's it's really hard. <laughs> right. <laughs> because I love the simplicity of like one of my favorite ones right now is like Bauhaus and, and the simplicity of that in gallery pedestals and sculptures, but also balancing. But then you look at photographs of like the Rockefeller estates and different things like that, where they balance contemporary art, historic right. houses, and like sculpture. So it's it's definitely balancing it and get taking inspiration from different areas. Well, and I think sometimes you can do a really great punch of overdone or what you would say more is more in a small space where it doesn't overwhelm you every day, all day long in your daily life. But it's a place you go into and go, oh, this is great. This is, oh, you know, you go to a bathroom or a small space where, you know, for most people anymore and most clients now, they're wanting to calm their lives because there's so much chaos and, you know, so much uncertainty, I think. I think that's what what we're kind of seeing as a definite trend as a general is they're wanting a little bit more of a calming environment when they are in their mm-hmm. home, home environments. Well, of course. And that was like pre-pandemic. And it's interesting how the like long-term effects of the pandemic will play out on our industry. I think people are definitely going to be considering their personal space and how they go about it because they've had to live in it for such a long time. But now that we've had one pandemic, there's no there's no certainty that we're not going to have another one in the future. And if that is the case, is your house going to accommodate your needs and your lifestyle? Right. I think that is definitely going to be first and foremost in clients' minds for sure. Which benefits to our industry. Absolutely. That's why we're so busy. I think, I think that's why we're so busy. And it's, it's so interesting after the, you know, the kind of the juxtapose of the 2008s where our industry was hit just almost decimated, obviously almost decimated with a lot of other industries as well. But it's that whole kind of concept where now the pendulum is swinging. Now people are home and they're nesting. So thankfully this time it's on our favor. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So I know you guys deal with historic homes that you will renovate and it has to be to period. You guys have high budgets, you have low budgets for your personal spaces. If you had the ability to do anything, no budget, wasn't the limit. You could pick out anything. What would you guys do? Well, interestingly enough, I'm doing that right now for the first time in 30 years that I've been in this industry, I'm getting to do, which actually is proving to be a very interesting task. I will preface this whole thing with, but um, it's almost like the, the kid in the candy store. I can have anything. What do you want? And you're like, Oh my gosh, it's like, I could have this. And I, and I know so much I can have all of it. Um, it, It's, it's been a challenge, but it's been an absolutely wonderful experience to be honest with you going through this process personally. And I have a whole new appreciation for all my clients actually (laughs) (laughs) at at a level that I'm like oh now I understand why you're at ready to kill each other okay I get it I get it it's just but it's also I have learned that the materials that I kind of always gravitate towards the natural materials something that has a reason or a purpose say you've I you know like my island right now that I'm doing 
I found a great desk um, and an antique store that was just, just read really well. And I wanted to always incorporate that as an island. And I'm now doing that. I had to read a door materials that are all things that I kind of definitely gravitate towards is what I with. I did, you know, do a wide net and zoom out and kind of explore a lot of options, but I definitely went back to what kind of is my comfortable materials and, you know, quartzite. I'm doing a wonderful quartzite for my island and just, just some great stuff, you know, but classic, but classic and timeless that are all mid-century. Yep. We bought a mid-century ranch. Um, and so it's all going to be in keeping with the architecture. So it won't ever look like it's dated or Mm -hmm. time-stamped. That's so exciting. Yeah, it is really exciting. I'm very, what about you, Michi? I don't know. That is absolutely (laughs) a problem. I mean, I'm obsessed with things and I, become super obsessed with them and on my Pinterest yes my Pinterest I (laughs) create boards and then I gravitate towards something else so I mean I'm I will always love high gloss and high gloss is one of my biggest Pinterest boards that I have so I would think that in a kitchen for me personally I would do high gloss um, painted I love painted period painted is absolutely (laughs) Painted paneling, painted cabinets, I love it. And I love the details of the moldings, trims, and I think that's what makes a space so interesting and cozy and relevant, too, to the times. I mean, just, I love it. I love it. And when you go to an old um, museum and it's in an old house and the walls are, they might be wood paneled, and I'd probably paint those out. (laughs) But that feeling that you get when you're in those spaces with that architectural detail, that's what I would want for sure. And obviously marble, period. (laughs) Of course. Of course. Of course. Well, it's interesting because I think that that's a question that kind of every designer struggles with because we do have access to such resources and design and materials and you have vendors. So you can select things and it's, I think that even for myself personally, that's one of the most challenging things yeah. is picking something and picking a direction because you could have anything. It's super difficult. And staying with that course because what's easy is then all something you, you're introduced to something because you're obviously introduced to stuff in every day and you're like, oh gosh, and stay in the course. That makes sense. Your original concept. Well, I mean, obviously as designers, we all have issues with focusing. <laughs> Of course. That would be more Michi than me. (laughs) And so we're easily attracted to whatever's, you know, what's coming and this is new. And and so your eyes are constantly all over the place. So to to really sit down and focus like Renee has been having to do and get an actual, what am I going to do? That's probably the hardest thing for any designer to do. It was honestly, and and I have to say, if it wasn't for you and Michi and my team to, to check me and give me some balance, I don't know if I could have done it to myself. Really there's, just, there's just so much information and I have access to everything. So really, where do you start? Where do you pick, you know? And again, the whole desk kind of concept and the larder, you know, the whole um, larder pantry area was mm-hmm. wanted initially for the bar area. I mean, I know that this might be I'm kind of trying to understand that part of it, but I really wanted that concept in there. So just these ideas were there, but just to be able to really hone them down. And I really couldn't have done it without my team. I really could not have done it. Well, and by bar, you, you had a tall area in your kitchen that 
you wanted a bar because you guys entertained quite a bit where it was a you large mean- bar. Anyone could go in. They had access to all the materials and make drinks and it could be a party house. Mm-hmm. But also aesthetically beautiful. Well, and make and makes sense architecturally, you know, because the way that my house was designed, this this ranch that I purchased is it's it's not an open concept. So it's a challenge of a lot of things that right now are not in trend. Right now in trend is open concept, is very um, you know, open, blow all the walls out. Well, I have a fireplace, two fireplaces that kind of butt to butt to each other. That is the whole hub of the house. So it was a very interesting design challenge to make that feel flowing and entertaining and open, but yet still not lose that concept of what really is the structure of the center of the house. Well, and it's so funny because that is like my ideal aesthetic. I love big entertaining areas. I like bars. I like having people over. But like the two rooms that I don't like people going into are the kitchen and the master bedroom. Because I like to have those private. I like if there's a mess, it can go away. If you have your catering, people can work. And I like that the party is separate from that so that, that they don't see the mess. Yeah, that's it's very sophisticated. <laughs> I'm very sophisticated. What are you talking about? <laughs> so I know a lot of people, every time I have a client something always comes up and that's the golden triangle. So everyone understands for the most part, the proximity between the fridge, the sink and the cooking surface. Yes. I feel like that as consumers, our consumers are getting more and more educated based on HGTV and different um, shows and networks. What are some other words of wisdom that you guys find important that people might not know? Well, you have one that you do all the time with the dishwasher. What do I do? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, actually, that's one of the best things. I, I think that was one of my biggest takeaways from you, Meech. Is, I know. She has oh, a story. And, I don't know so, what I do. <laughs> so most people, uh, I don't know if they'll know, but the National Kitchen and Bath is a set of rules and diagrams that kind of kitchen designers follow, and they require that the dishwasher's on the right. And one thing that I learned from you, and I'll let you finish, Yes, I prefer the dishwasher on the left because I feel like as a right-handed person, you're going to hold the plate in your left hand. You're going to empty out all the garbage, scrub it with the sponge with your right hand, and then place it into the dishwasher. Which is absolutely (laughs) genius. So, you know, I know NKVA is something that Renee and I um, are involved in. It, it's we became certified kitchen designers through this it has all of these guidelines but one thing about all of the guidelines is you need to listen to the guidelines use them but also listen to your client so if that guideline on the right of dishwasher on the right doesn't work for your client and that's not how they work then you obviously change that guideline and and, and discuss it it's a discussion that we have with our clients when we're trying to teach them you know some of the rules whatever with this NKBA, but we also will discuss with them, how do you actually use your space, you know, and is that going to work for you in a different way? Thank you for reminding me of that. I forgot. Absolutely. Now, I mean, I ask every single client, what is their dominant hand when they're washing dishes? And they look at me like I'm crazy, but it's yeah. such, it's such an important thing that I didn't even think of until you brought it to my attention. 
And, you know, one of the little things that I always actually ask is if somebody bakes, because not a lot of people bake anymore. And the height and the location of that, if you are a large, if you are somebody that bakes and you bake on a regular basis and a lot, which not everybody does anymore, um, the location of that, depending on your actual height of the, the client is, is super important. So that is one of the ones that I always kind of ask because then it also depends on whether that oven is in a primary location or kind of an auxiliary location. Because if you don't bake a lot or you don't use the oven, you use it for Thanksgiving and Christmas, which a lot of clients do, um, it doesn't have to be in the prime location. And that's kind of one of those big piece items that can be a, a space saver if it's located in a different location, if it's not your priority or it be, needs to be a main, you know, main areas where a range wouldn't be as efficient for somebody who's a lot, you know, into baking. Absolutely. And I think that especially in New York, there's so, so much of my clients are focused on the aesthetic because 90% of them don't actually cook or know how to cook or boil water. Um, <laughs> it, but it's the kind of the truth. We're learning I, that now. <laughs> I even had, um, it'd be the case where the client picked out the finishes that they want, but I actually had to sit down with regular meetings with their live-in chef to figure out where things were placed so that it would be adequate for him because he was the primary cook in the residence. So it, it's definitely interesting. Yeah, that is very interesting. But I well, think that, they're doing more of that now. Yep. Well, I think that you guys touched on the fact is like, it is an open conversation. You need to ask the questions. You need to figure out how they live, who cooks, who cleans, how they go about doing that. Um, that's, that's something that I don't think people realize how in depth we get into their daily life to make it as functional as possible. Agreed. It's a team effort. We need to know what they do and then we give them our knowledge and we work together as a team. I mean, it's, it's really important part of design. That's probably one of the most important part of the design. Listening. Designers all should really listen. Mm -hmm. So uh, we look at Instagram all the time. What are, what are certain things that you think are overlooked in the design community sometimes, especially with kitchen design? Details. Technical details. I think so. I go to, I can't tell you how many times I go to a kitchen where it has just been done and so many details that should have been addressed or been focused on or figured out how to execute and they just were done like as if it was slapped in slapped in and it, it's just atrocious to me it gives our industry a bad name it um it just it's, it's such a pivotal part of how i mean anybody can throw cabinets in a space truthfully i mean home anybody depot. can home depot look at it. i mean there's so many people that do this but it's to do it well and do it and execute it where the cabinetry marries the, the appliances, marries the cap cabinetry or the countertops to the, everything is a dance. And it's, if that's not done really well, it looks like it wasn't. Crapola. It, yeah, that's the word. <laughs> and it's so sad because people spend their fortunes on these spaces yeah. and it wasn't done well. And it, it just, it, the, the, again, one of my pet peeves. <laughs> We have a lot of pet peeves. Trendy design is another one of those. Yeah, why don't we why don't we talk about that? What are some of your guys' biggest pet peeves when it comes to kitchen design? Trendy design that people that pretend they're a designer is not a real designer and they're going on and looking at stuff and just whatever the rage of the color is and whatever. I can't deal. I just can't. Um I think also when things are not planned out 
correctly. The function isn't thought through. There's no symmetry. You know, I mean, there's lots of focal points in a kitchen. And when your main focal point is not symmetrical or it's got, uh, I just, it's like they've thrown things in and it's not. They filled the space. Yeah, I hate it. It makes me want to split my wrists. I can't. <laughs> I, I hear you. I 100%. I feel like sometimes I'll have a client come in and they, they're picking the, they're not going for an asymmetrical approach, but their kitchen is not symmetrical. And I feel like the rest of the day I'm walking around slanted around the showroom because like <laughs> yeah. I can't correct myself. It's so true. And I think also another pet peeve is over-designing things. Yeah, I think absolutely. that a lot of designers try to be super um, unique and clever and create these designs that are just a Throw total up. nightmare. I don't even know what's happening there's not a balance to it. There's color everywhere continuity. and the colors do not flow nicely. And I just, I can't, I just can't. <laughs> well, I think a lot of it. They're probably overcompensating for kind of the kitchen design and the approach and, and trying to make things look good, but they're, they're focused more on the aesthetics than the function and balance of everything in complement exactly. with the architecture. Exactly. It's like, this is not an art gallery and this isn't an, a piece of art. This is someone's kitchen that needs to actually function and look beautiful for many, many years. But it also needs to make sense. Yeah. So it needs to make sense with the rest of the house. It can't be this afterthought of, okay, so now we need to replace these cabinets because they're not, they don't look great anymore. They're not, you know, they have a local finish and they're all deteriorating or whatever. It's, it's, it, it has to make sense. It has to, it has to have a, a purpose and a theme related to the architecture, related to the space. There's just so many things that come into it. And I don't, I think it's definitely too many people try to pull it off that don't execute it right. Mm -hmm. Well, and you could have a, a significant budget, but you're going with more of a builder or you're going with someone else that not, isn't necessarily focused on the design of the kitchen and understands the fundamentals of it. Right. And so you could get, a kitchen designer to come in and pay for the design of someone who's educated and specialized in that area. And they might, you might not necessarily have the full budget for your cabinetry, but you use a, a more price driven line and you can achieve a look that's better than some people that may have spent double. I find. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, obviously we'd always like a bigger budget, but. Well, I mean, yeah, that just means you can be more creative. Really. Yeah, truthfully, because then that means you can use a, a, a better wood or a better product. Better material. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's it's oftentimes where I found, like, in my kind of design dilemmas where I'm forced to kind of adhere to a budget and you kind of have to be creative, you, you find things that you necessarily wouldn't have done had you been in that position. And I, there's something about that that I kind of love is, is being creative on a whole different scale to make sure that you're meeting the client's needs and your aesthetic needs and, and kind of looping everything together. Wouldn't you say? Yes. Yeah. And it's like this whole quantitative reasoning thing that just comes into play that you don't even realize you're doing, but you're, you're, it, it takes a huge um, mindset to be able to pull all this together and actually create something that is a win-win for everybody, you know, and that people, that they love the space in the end, but yet you were able to achieve some really great design elements and, and for them. And, and, and yeah, yep. you know, it's just, yeah. 
and on that note i'm a firm believer of learning from your mistakes i feel like every mistake kind of leads you towards a different direction that and some absolutely suck you know we've we've had to go through some things um, and i think that's every designer has had to learn like through one big mess up or mistake do you in knowing that is there something that you would tell your younger self that you know now that you didn't know when you were younger Okay, I laughed. I laugh at this question because I honestly, I, I've had, I've made so many mistakes that I can't even pick one. Um, and I think that's why now I never make a mistake. Of course, <laughs> never. I think if I was going to tell um, myself something, my younger self would be enjoy the process more. I feel like I am so driven in the, um, in the um, end result. Inclusion and achieving a, a said, you know, it's just like a driver that I really miss the beauty of the process and the, the design, the conflict and the continuity and the balance and the rush of ideas and all this fun stuff that is truly inspiring when you're in that process. I feel like I really miss in my younger years, I, I, I appreciate it a lot more now, but I really missed that in my younger years of design. I was so concerned about achieving the perfect um, kitchen or the perfect thing for the client so they'd be so happy. And, and I, it's, it's an imperfect business. And I think through that process, you're, you're always trying to do the perfect space, but it's a process of being imperfect. And, and that's the learning and that's the whole process. And it's, it's just really fun, honestly. When, when you're in the middle of it, you're collaborating ideas, you're spending time together in this, in this ideation. It's just fabulous. And I, and I feel like I, don't, I didn't pay enough attention to that in my younger years. I completely agree. I think, and especially with all of us together, there's an, there's an aspect that's a competitive drive, but also you're, you're stru- like all, oftentimes we have timeframes that we have to meet. There's a whole bunch of aspects that on top of, the, the fundamentals of kitchen design I would tell myself definitely to take take a deep breath mm-hmm. step back everything's going to be fine it's all going to work out and and we're so driven what about you Michi um I pretty much am always kicked back <laughs> you know I've learned a lot from her in my years which is probably a perfect balance for the two of you it really, it is. really is she makes me laugh where I'm like Michi focus Wait, I have to say this. What you guys don't know is while we're here having this interview, she's here picking off um, her distracted self, picking stuff off her board and cleaning her office. My picture board where I have different magazine or things. I just am cleaning it up because I have ADD. can't focus. Of course. <laughs> That's why I have the drive. I really don't know what I would do in my younger self. I think maybe um, I would... I would focus on traveling more when I was younger, I think. I, I traveled a little bit, but I think that I'd really push to travel more because, yes, college is great, and yes, you learn a lot there, but I think that you definitely learn a lot more looking mm-hmm. at architecture and traveling. And I think because you're younger, you have more time. Once you start in your career, it's harder. I mean, yeah, you can get away once a year or whatever, but when you're younger, you have way more time. And I think... Um, I would have definitely, I would tell myself to do that more. And I do think, I think life is such your, is such, is such the, is the best teacher, honestly. It really is. And I, think, it is yeah. and I think that there's an aspect, like I know for myself, everyone has different um, 
people telling you different things and you you have like kind of fundamental traits that you think you should be and I wish that if I were younger I would scrap those because I thought I needed to be in business and I thought then I was exploring my creative side and going into advertising and then I finally stumbled on interior architecture and it's funny I'm so drawn to art that had I started in more of an artistic field and more like fine arts, I probably would have succeeded in a different way. But then I look back and I'm like, well, maybe I wouldn't have gotten to where I, where I stumbled upon and which I love so much had I not gone through those things and, and knowing the business aspect and, and the advertising side, they, they really kind of lent towards my career and helped in certain ways. Right. Although I do have to say for all the audience out there that he is the most amazing fine artist that there is. And honestly, if it was up to your mother, you'd be doing fine art. Yeah. So you were ignoring me the whole way. So somehow I failed in driving you in the right direction. (laughs) Amazing artist, I have to say. So I know we kind of just touched on it, but (laughs) because kitchen design is so specialized, what would you recommend to kitchen designers going to school now learning specifically about kitchen design and, and things that they should look out for or things that they should understand in ways that I think that we kind of just stumble upon, but no one really goes into it learning kitchen design. And I, I feel like that's going to become more and more a staple. I hope so. I hope there's more kitchen design classes. I know that a lot of the colleges have interior design, but I don't think they have enough kitchen design. And I really hope that that becomes a bit more popular. Um, I would personally want the younger um, students when they come out to really focus on working at a design firm where they can work in teams. And we do that here. Um, we will take on a client and there's multiple designers on one job. And that is just because you can be way more creative. You have lots of, every designer is different and they have all different ideas. And when you collaborate, you become a serious powerhouse of ideas. And everybody brings something new, different and new Mm -hmm. to the table. If you're in that really nice symbiotic working environment where nobody's threatened by somebody else's idea or and everybody's encouraging each other, it becomes this just amazing process. And the, and the, the benefit is to the client, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, they get incredible spaces. They get incredible spaces of a, def, a, a bunch of different perspectives, which is not typical, you know? Absolutely. I, I think that's really important, especially and especially when they're newbies. I think that it's very intimidating coming into a design firm and going, okay, here you go, here's a project, here's the budget. They don't really know what they're doing, and they need work with someone who has a little bit more experience as a team and they will learn so much faster. So I would hope that that's what they would ask for or strive for going into a firm. Absolutely. And I know that it's kind of interesting. Most firms have like an internal structure of senior and junior designers. And you guys are very unique because everyone who works in your guys's firm works on different projects. So you'll, like you said, you'll pair people together. And I think that, most people will get an experience in working with design because everyone does bring different offer, different things to the table. And it's, it's interesting. I think that people will have a different opportunity working with you guys than they would at a large firm that they would in New York. Agreed. Agreed. And I would love to add something to that whole thing to talk, tell designers that are in the, it's, it's a, don't quit. It's, it's a, 
At its worst, this industry is demanding and exhausting, and at days it'll suck the life out of you. But at its best, it'll teach you more about yourself than you ever really thought you could know. And it also exposes your weaknesses and your strengths in a, in a venue that actually makes you better. And you become this design, you know, it's like your warts are exposed, but you're also your, your strengths, you shine. And, and it just is this kind of wonderful field to get into if you're creative one. And also if you like, you want to be the best version of yourself because you're creating these environments for your clients that are truly spectacular, but also you're learning so much about yourself in each situation because it, it, it brings a whole different set of circumstances and personalities. And I, I don't know, I just feel like it really is one of the best industries out there. Um, and it's also a great place to learn a lot about yourself. So don't, of course. don't quit. <laughs> it's of course don't quit <laughs> that's such valuable advice so i'm so thankful that you guys uh offered to participate in this i think you guys are a powerhouse of information and i just want to say thank you guys so much for being here i really appreciate thank you guys for having us yeah definitely we appreciate and you we having miss us. you we miss you being here with us smooches